your kids run around the house all day with little or no structure? Do they struggle with whining, boredom, or discontentment? Would you like for them to just have something to do so that you can at least take a shower? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one great way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission, to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Have you ever noticed that when you encounter news stories or even advertisements in our world, you have to give your kids a disclaimer like, well, kids, I know they're saying that all is hopeless, but here's what we believe. Wouldn't it be nice if you could point them to a news source that would actually encourage them to see how God is working in our world today? Well, it is nice because there is such a news source. It's called World Watch. This is an engaging professional news show produced by Christian journalists, and it's designed specifically for kids. In just 10 minutes a day, you and your kids can stay up to date on the current headlines without the hopelessness and hysteria of most other news sources. My favorite part is that every episode ends with this reminder, whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. To find out more about World Watch, just go to worldwatch.news slash ginger to access a free episode. Again, that's worldwatch.news slash ginger. Well, hey there, Ginger. Today's episode is somewhat a continuation of last week's topic on structuring your day. And now that I think about it, uh, we probably should have aired this episode first because at least I think it's really hard for us to adhere to any kind of routine when our children have little or no structure in their days. That is so true, Katie. It's also good for kids to have structure because children with little to no structure uh, tend to struggle with being whiny, bored, unmotivated, irresponsible, and discontent, just to name a few. <laughs> Lack of structure can also lead to behavior problems such as tantrums, arguing, demanding forms of communication, and an inability to focus and follow through on instructions. And those are just a few reasons why it's beneficial to build structure and routine into our children's days. It also builds character and helps keep peace in the home. We're made in the image of God, and He is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. Now, of course, every minute of every day doesn't have to be structured, but when a basic plan of action is set, children learn that order is a prerequisite for good living. And what led us to do these episodes in the first place was a question that came in from our listener, Leanne. And we read her question last week, so I won't read the whole thing again, but I will summarize. Leanne explained how each day feels like a black hole (laughs) with barely enough time to take a shower. And she said that her home is perpetually messy and that between meals and cleanup, it's the end of the day before she knows it. And despite the constant cleaning, cooking, and caring for the children, she finds herself overwhelmed with how little she's accomplished at the end of the day. And so she asked for tips for structuring her day, cleaning, cooking, etc. So that's what led us to this episode. 
Right. Katie, we should have titled these episodes, Leanne Needs a Plan. (laughs) (laughs) Leanne, you also mentioned something about your husband in your question that we read in full last week. You said, and I quote, I'd like to homeschool and have more children if the Lord wills, but my husband looks at me like, um, no. (laughs) Your husband's reaction reminds me of a story that's uh, been circulating the internet for years now. No one knows who wrote the article, but I think it's one that we can all relate to on some level. So I'm going to read it. A man came home from work and found his three children outside, still in their pajamas, playing in the mud with empty food boxes and wrappers strewn all over the front yard. The door of his wife's car was open, as was the front door to the house, and there was no sign of the dog. When he walked into the house, he found an even bigger mess. A lamp had been knocked over, and the throw rug was wadded against one wall. In the front room, the TV was loudly blaring a cartoon channel, and the family room was scattered with toys and various items of clothing. In the kitchen, dishes filled the sink, breakfast food was spilled on the floor, the refrigerator door was open wide, dog food was spilled all over the floor, a broken glass lay under the table, and a small pile of sand was spread by the back door. He quickly headed up the stairs, stepping over toys and more piles of clothes, looking for his wife. He was worried that she might be ill or that something serious had happened. He was met with a small trickle of water as it made its way out from under the bathroom door. As he peered inside, he found wet towels, scummy soap, and more toys thrown all over the floor. Piles of toilet paper lay in a heap and toothpaste was smeared all over the mirror and walls. He rushed to the bedroom and found his wife still curled up in bed in her pajamas reading a novel. Sounds like me last Thursday, Katie. (laughs) When she saw her husband, she greeted him with a warm smile. He looked at her with a confused expression and asked, what happened here today? She smiled again and sweetly answered, you know, when you come home from work every afternoon and ask me what in the world I do all day? Well, today I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) That is so great. Now, personally, Ginger, I've never had to resort to that kind of passive-aggressive behavior because my husband has always been able to care for our home and our kids as well as I have, um, if not better, actually. And I owe it at least in part to my precious late grandmother. She was the type of homemaker very typical of her era. Uh, My grandfather worked outside the home, and she did literally everything else. So at our couple's wedding shower before we got married, she walked up to Brian and handed him a mop and a bucket full of cleaning supplies. And then she turned, and she was such, to know her, she was so quiet and never one to speak out or speak out of turn. She was just so gentle and loving. But she turned squarely toward me, and she looked me in the eyes and said, you let him help. And Ginger, I I have never taken any advice so seriously in my entire life. Sure, Grandma. I will definitely take that advice. I will absolutely. That is the one piece of advice I can follow to a T. Now, thankfully, I do think much of that generational divide has been bridged. And I know more men of our age who, like my husband, are completely capable with the children and around the house. My sister-in-law is so funny, Ginger. It makes her crazy when people say that their husbands are babysitting the kids. Mm -hmm. She says, it's not babysitting when it's your own kids, you know, (laughs) and she's so right. Mm -hmm. But my point is that if there are two parents in the home, having both of them shoulder the responsibilities and keep the home running smoothly is enormously helpful, especially when the children are quite young. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Katie. You and I are both, I just want to say, so blessed with husbands who have such a heart for serving, and they both do it really well. 
Nothing makes me feel more love than taking a bubble bath after dinner while my sweet Ronnie cleans the kitchen. That is, as you hear people say, my love language. We're going to get uh, some hate mail about that one, you know, from, <laughs> from wives and men, probably. Probably Seriously. so, yep. <laughs> but overall, uh, Ronnie and I have a routine and we work together to keep our home clean and organized. I know you and Brian do as well. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. It's going to look very different for everyone. But the bottom line is that planning a routine in accordance with our priorities That enables us to enhance the pleasing environment of our homes. Structuring our own day with a plan of action for cleaning, organizing, and meals, it's necessary for effectively fulfilling our responsibilities and meeting the needs of our family. We gave lots of practical tips for customizing your own plan for those things last week. But as we mentioned earlier, it's very hard to adhere to any plan unless our children have some structure built into their days as well. When we and our children have some order in our days, we're going to do more than just survive. We're going to thrive. And in case any of you don't know, Al and I just released our third rhyming children's book. So you guys are just going to have to bear with me. My brain is obviously stuck in rhyming mode. I'm, I'm annoying myself with rhyming everything right now. (laughs) Well, that's an area where I struggle as well, gender, not with the rhyming. I'm really good at rhyming. Um, (laughs) No, but so much of my adult life seems like it's been me bucking any kind of rigidity. And I'm not sure what my aversion is to schedule and routine, but I have always resisted both of those things. Even though I know we are created by God to follow these rhythms and patterns through our lives. Um, And this is what I mentioned last week. I love systems, but I'm not great with sticking to them long-term. I even buck my own rules. I mean, how sad is that? (laughs) But because this is a weakness of mine, I have seen firsthand how it has negatively affected my kids and our home, especially in those early years when it is so important to have that structure and routine. Well, Katie, even though structure and routine came naturally for me when my kids were little, I still found myself in ruts and seasons of inconsistency. So I've also witnessed the negative effects that little to no structure had on my family at times. Before we jump into some practical ideas for structuring your child's day, I do want to give the same disclaimer that we gave last week. These are just ideas. These are not biblical mandates. Exactly. And that especially goes for anything I have to share since I'm woefully deficient in this area of my life. Um, But Ginger, to make things easier, we'll break this down in accordance with age. So we'll start with infants, then we'll talk about toddlers and then preschool aged kids. And we aren't talking much about the older kids in this episode because once they start doing activities and having interests of their own, your life is basically over and we have no help to offer you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, But in this episode, we are going to focus on those long days with little ones that feel like they're never going to end, the kind of days that Leanne described. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Ginger, let's start with a few ideas and tips for infants. All right. First is the obvious, nap time. We all know that naps are completely necessary for a baby's well-being, not to mention mom's. I used a feed-wake-sleep routine that worked really great for my babies. I found that mine were the happiest when their bellies were full. So rather than putting them down for a nap right after they ate, that's when I interacted with them for a while to keep them awake. And I will say, that it was sometimes a bit of a challenge because who doesn't want to take a nice long nap after a big meal? That's right. That makes me think about my dad and all his brothers 
when they go into a turkey coma after Thanksgiving. <laughs> they love that good nap after a big meal. <laughs> That's part of it. That's right. But this idea of keeping them awake after feeding... That's actually kind of intriguing to me because, well, this won't surprise you, Ginger, but I was pretty haphazard with my kids' routines. Even as babies, I don't remember putting much thought into it. I just did what seemed like the next logical thing. If they were falling asleep, I was not about to keep them awake. Uh, So (laughs) give us an example of how that routine worked for you and your kids. Sure. When my six-week-old was on a three-hour feeding schedule, he would eat and have wake time for the first hour, then sleep for the next two hours. Most babies tend to be most content just after eating. So planning their wake time while they're happy and full and then their nap time while their hunger is building back up. uh, Well, for us anyway, that just led to a more peaceful routine for everyone. And then, of course, as they grow, the routine allows for more wake time, less sleep time and longer stretches between feedings. That makes good sense. I wish... You told me that 13 years ago. Well, it wasn't my idea, Katie. Somebody told me all those years ago. (laughs) Well, there we go. My next idea is playpen time. I wanted mine to be used to spending time in a playpen, so I actually incorporated that while they were still infants. I rotated playpen time with blanket time to offer a change of environment. Uh, I had a little activity center lit up and played music in the playpen and a crib gym with dangling toys on the blanket so when they were lying on the blanket, they could have something to look up at. I would also rotate with bouncy seat or car seat time and would often place those by the window or in the kitchen while I was cooking. Swing time is also great for babies. Swings are fun and offer variety, but I do caution you to not get into the habit of using a swing to lull them to sleep because that can turn into a really hard habit to break. Now, granted, there's always exceptions to the rule, but overall, it's better to teach babies to fall asleep on their own without props. So maybe consider the swing when they're fully awake and alert. We know from lots of research that interaction time is super important with infants. While there's not a whole lot you can do to actually play with an infant, just talking, cuddling, and moving their arms and legs in a playful manner expresses attention and love. Okay, Ginger, real quick. I want to mention here, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a study that talks about this very thing, this interaction, and how the lack of it is so... Uh, upsetting to a baby. Mm -hmm. There was a study with moms who would have their babies in front of them and as they were engaging and it showed the baby's behavior. And then as the moms would look down like at a phone or Mm -hmm. distracted with something else, what it did in their children, that is really fascinating and quite convicting. So anyway, I'll put a link to the show in the show notes to that particular study. Yep. That's good. All right. So last on my list for infants is bath time. If you're, and the reason I bring that up is because if your baby has um, a fussy time of day, that might be a good time to plan for a bath. Warm water sponged over a, f- a fussy baby can be really soothing. And there's nothing like the comforting voice of mom. So singing and talking and looking in their eyes instead of at a screen mm-hmm. uh, can really make bath time just so much sweeter because you're, you're interacting and that just forms precious times of bonding. Absolutely. And something I didn't do because I didn't know to do it when our first first child came along, I didn't know how much I needed to be talking to him. And so I didn't. I didn't talk to him very much. And we actually had him tested at one point because we thought, oh, no, there's something wrong. Like he wasn't communicating. And I realized, well, I'm not communicating with him. <laughs> so just talking through exactly what you're doing as you're doing it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really important. And I had no idea. I was too ignorant to know how important that was early on uh, in their development. Uh, but there is something I did very consistently with my kids, and I was so glad I did. I read books to mine from a very early age. So mm-hmm. long before they had a clue 
what I was actually saying, I was reading to them. And I'm convinced that this is one of the best things we can do for our children in their younger years. So parents of littles, let me just encourage you, you will never regret the time you spend reading to your children. But please hear me, you very well might regret the amount of screen time you give them or yourself, really. Um, I don't mean that as a guilt trip, just a mama who learned from experience. Um, But one final tip I have for moms with infants is to find ways to get outside every day. That's kind of (laughs) comical for me to say. Uh, It's not something I did well, nor do I still do it very well. But there are some fascinating studies out there about the benefits of spending time outside with kids on a regular basis. And this makes sense. I mean, we were created to enjoy and spend time in God's creation. And I'm convinced that the rates of depression and anxiety in our children is related to this thing, the amount of time we spend indoors on screens rather than out of doors in God's creation. Okay, Ginger, let's move on to those sweet toddler years, uh, the wonderful season of life when they're constantly clearing out the cabinets and smearing stuff on the walls. (laughs) I remember the Tupperware cabinet, dragging all the Tupperware out of the cabinet. It's like a magnet. (laughs) But you know what? I would would love to be able to go back to just Mm -hmm. one day of that now that they're older. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you always hear people say, don't rush through those years because one day you'll miss them. And uh, I would love to let that go in one ear and out the other, but it is so true. Yeah, the moms in the throes of it are like, will you just shut up with that right now? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember thinking that, but it is true. So listen, take time, enjoy. (laughs) Well, Katie, you know, I can't say enough about playpen time. It teaches toddlers to play alone contentedly. Mm -hmm. And it also increases attention span and develops focusing skills, especially if you only allow two or three toys at a time, because too many can definitely be overwhelming, especially for young children. If you're just now incorporating playpen time, serving Cheerios and a bottle or cup of juice can uh, really help to get it off to a good start. And I would also caution you to not start with long periods of time if you're just now introducing this to your toddler. Uh, maybe begin with just five or 10 minutes and then work up to the slowly work up to the time that you want. For toddlers who are accustomed to playpen time, you might schedule anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes once or twice a day. I kept a basket in the corner of the playpen and helped my toddlers clean up by guiding their hands and picking up their just two or three toys, which is again, not overwhelming, and helping them drop those into the basket when playtime was over. Katie, I loved playpen time because it assured that my toddlers were in a safe environment while I was able to complete other tasks. My kids typically had playpen time twice a day, once in the late morning before lunch and once in the late afternoon before dinner. And this gave me an hour and a half to make lunch and dinner preparations, return phone calls or emails. We didn't have text messaging back then. That tells you how old (laughs) I am. Or uh, just to use that time to enjoy a little quiet time by myself. Playpens can also serve as a familiar place for babies to sleep when traveling, which is super helpful. When they're used to that, then it's not a scary experience when you're traveling. Now, I know some of my ideas are repeats, but I also don't want moms who are gleaning ideas for toddlers to think that it's too late to incorporate some of the ideas I mentioned earlier, such as blanket time with a couple of toys. Blanket time with toddlers provides parents with an opportunity to start teaching them about self-control, obedience, and the importance of boundaries. Uh, Of course, the earlier they learn those things, the better, but my philosophy has always been better late than never. 
I remember spending a whole summer at a cabin uh, on a lake when Alex was only 18 months old. And she was able to enjoy long periods of time with us out on the dock because she was accustomed to blanket time. And once they've got it, blanket time can also be very beneficial when you're getting your hair cut or waiting for an appointment and you need your toddler to play alone with some self-control. But keep in mind, training toddlers in the discipline of self-control and boundaries by using things like blanket time starts at home. Next on my list is high chair or booster chair time. I like to offer a coloring book or puzzle, and once they knew not to eat it, Play-Doh. You might set a timer and teach them to play quietly until that timer goes off, and we'll be sure to link to some really cute timers that we found in our show notes. And as they begin to move past the toddler stage, you might consider replacing high chair time or booster chair time with sit time. Typically, children who are accustomed to high chair time will transition really easy to sit time. Just have them sit in a chair or on a couch with a book or activity of some sort. And sit time is also great practice for them to begin learning how to sit quietly in church. Again, these sort of planned activities not only bring structure to your child's day, but also teach self-control, obedience, contentment, and focusing skills, which are all good habits that will not only benefit them now, but also as they grow into adults. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. My last idea for toddlers is reading time. Katie, I know you've already mentioned this, and I love that you read to your kids even as infants. I read to my kids at bedtime pretty much every night when they were little, but if I could go back, I would have read to my kids so much more. Mm. I homeschooled both of my kids all the way through, so of course I read academic and devotional books, but rarely, if ever, did I read books to them just for fun other than at bedtime. And that's something I really regret. Reading to children increases their attention spans, stretches their imagination, and of course, establishes an early appreciation for reading, which is far better for them in every way than technology of any kind. I think most of us are uh, aware, Katie's made all of us aware, pretty much every episode. <laughs> I'm not going to let anybody forget it, that's for sure. <laughs> Katie's soapbox about technology, but and we appreciate that because we know now that Technology is just harmful for Mm -hmm. kids and adults, for that matter. Absolutely. Studies show that spending excessive amount of time playing on computer games, watching television, scrolling social media, all of those things stunt vocabulary and creativity, and they lead to a slew of other physical, social, emotional, and mental problems. And I'd like to add to that spiritual problems, because what we're creating is this constant stream 
of information, of worldview, of entertainment into their hearts. I mean, that's the part of it that gets me so wound up and passionate, even for my own behaviors, is what am I pouring into my heart? Because that's where it's going. It's going directly mm-hmm. to my heart. Um, and Ginger, one of the hardest things for me to watch, because again, listeners, please hear my heart. I was guilty of this myself. But one of the hardest things for me to watch is a child in a restaurant, in a shopping cart, or a sibling's ball game with a phone or a tablet in their hands the entire time. Parents, we are losing the battle for their minds and their hearts in so many ways when we hand over a perpetual distraction in lieu of talking, making eye contact, laughing, uh, teaching our children as we go about our daily lives, including them in adult conversation. We're losing all of those opportunities. You know, a child in a restaurant glued to a tablet might be quiet, but please know this, they are not content. So their hearts and their minds are being shaped by what they see on that screen. There is no such thing as mindless activity. So please consider what you're trading when you hand over a device just to make the screaming stop. And I I get that desire. I get that tendency. Um, But that's all I have to say about that (laughs) for now. (laughs) Katie and I actually did two episodes on parenting in the digital age. So if you guys want to hear more about that, she really put a lot of effort into studying and researching and just gave some incredibly insightful and helpful information in that episode. So we'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes. So that wasn't all I had to say about that. I have so much to say about that. Uh, Two whole episodes to say about that, but I'll stop because we've beaten that dead digital horse right now. (laughs) Yeah, I affectionately refer to those episodes as Katie on a soapbox. (laughs) But it's a really good soapbox to be on. We all need to be on that soapbox too. And uh, and I'm on it because I need it. I mean, I need this as much as anyone else. It's a constant need for me to be reminded of where my mind and my heart are as it relates to technology. Oh, and then where here. I'm allowing it just for, for peace, but what it's not causing peace. It right. really isn't. Yep. Yep. I need to hear that too, Katie. We, I think we, probably if we're all honest, we all need to hear that more. Mm-hmm. A better option for toddlers in every age uh, is to get outside in the sunshine. If you can't think of anything fun or interesting to do outside, check out our friend Jenny Urich, uh, who's the founder of 1000 Hours Outside. Fresh air and plenty of running space are so good for the mind and body, yours and your toddlers. Jenny has lots of great ideas for things to do outside in every season. So again, we'll link to her website in our show notes. Right. And her podcast, which she has some phenomenal guests on her podcast as well yes. to talk about that very thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just love what Jenny is doing and how that whole movement began. Uh, she heard that the average American child spends 1,200 hours a year in front of screens. Ginger, I said I was getting off the soapbox and here I am <laughs> You still can't on, help it. It's but okay. I just can't. But Jenny wondered if it was possible to swap that and spend a thousand hours outside instead. Mm -hmm. And so her website and her podcast, they're very motivating and inspiring. Um, And I love her, um, her humility, her heart in that is not to cast judgment on parents who really struggle in this area, but to just give so many ideas and her Mm -hmm. joy is contagious. So Mm -hmm. I do encourage our listeners to check her out. Okay. Ginger, what are your ideas for children who are preschool aged? Well, my first idea is to switch from playpen time to room time, uh, maybe between the ages of 20 and 24 months. And you might even consider letting them have playpen time in their rooms. Just put the playpen in their room for a month or so before making that switch, because that can really make that transition a little bit smoother. It's a smart idea. 
And again, don't allow too many toys at once as that will hinder focusing skills and definitely make cleanup time very overwhelming. So be sure to not have too many toys and also be sure to rotate room time toys every day or two or three, whatever you decide, so that they have variety. We always had at least an hour every day that we called quiet time. And our kids didn't have to nap, though they sometimes accidentally napped. For whatever reason, kids hate to nap. I love taking a nap now, (laughs) but I hated it as a kid. They hated it. Uh, But they did. The rule was they had to remain quiet and in their own rooms. That's why we called it specifically quiet time. Uh, But during that time, I would do chores around the house, prep for dinner, catch up on work I was doing, or my favorite take a nap. (laughs) Uh, But something I did during this phase that really helped was to have busy boxes for each day of the week. So I had these little, they were actually plastic containers, but each one had about two to three toys in them that were only played with during that time. Mm -hmm. So I had puzzles, fidget toys, building blocks, little lacing cards, all those fun things you can find uh, at places like Rainbow Resource Center. If you, by the way, listeners, if you haven't heard of Rainbow Resource Center, they were one of our early podcast sponsors because I love them. And I asked if they would want to be a part of our show and they did. And they were so supportive and gracious. And anyway, their website is chock full of books, games, toys, things like that, that would be really great for those busy boxes. Mm-hmm. I love, I loved it when they were at the homeschool conventions. I would spend oh, so much time in their booth spending so much money because they have awesome, awesome stuff for kids. And they're back to homeschool conventions this year. Are I they? Saw, they yes, stopped for a while. Right. Okay. They're headed back on the road. I saw on their Instagram and I was like, oh, yay, we're uh-huh. going to get to see them again. They I are going, that will uh, make Lots of mamas happy. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Um, And Katie, that is a great idea to pre-sort toys into busy boxes to rotate. Mm -hmm. That saves time and maybe even stress for kids who uh, might be indecisive about which toys to choose for their room time. It's already have those set in those boxes. Right. It wasn't my idea. It was probably some mom blog back in the day. But yeah, I I took that and ran with it because I yeah. loved that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very few of my ideas are original. <laughs> it's all stuff <laughs> right. I've learned from somebody else. One of the many benefits of room time is that it can enhance the sibling relationship by simply allowing time apart. Uh, timers can also come in very handy for room time. It can deter that every five minutes ringing in your ear question how much longer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Been there, done that, bought the timer, and it made a huge <laughs> difference. You might also consider using a gate at the door until your child is accustomed to room time. And be cheerful when you announce that it's room time. Don't wait until your children are getting on your nerves and present it as a way to uh, get them out of the way for an hour so that you can have some time alone. It's not punishment. It's part of their day that's really meant for their enjoyment. That makes me think about our dog, how we put him in his crate when he's naughty. And then when we go to put him in his crate, when we leave the house, he freaks out. Maybe that's why. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Hmm. Things that make you ponder. Okay. One quick thing I want to say about the timer thing, Ginger. If you're going to use a timer with kids who do have a tendency to fall asleep on accident, I do recommend a timer with visual cues and that you can silence them. The last thing I wanted was for my child to fall asleep during their quiet time and for a timer to wake them up. So I did find one from Lakeshore Learning that could be silenced. So I'll have Heather put a link to that one in the show notes. Um, Ginger, I wasn't consistent with many things as a young parent, but my kids almost never missed their daily hour-long quiet time. That was just a nice respite for me in the middle of the day. And as they got older, I think we even increased it 
to two hours. <laughs> my, mm-hmm. It's like, how about a four hour quiet time, kids? Uh, <laughs> but we would let them listen to audiobooks during that time to pass the time. And the benefit of that is it really only increases their vocabulary. They mm-hmm. learn to sit through reading, which if you are planning to homeschool or read aloud a lot to your kids, it's just a great habit for them to get into mm-hmm. uh, listening to audiobooks. Yeah, audiobooks are awesome. It's the next best thing to reading. And again, so much better for them than screen time. Mm -hmm. I do want to acknowledge that structuring the days of multiple children can be challenging. Mm -hmm. And Leanne's question last week, she mentioned how structure was not a problem at all when she only had one child, but it became much more difficult once she had a toddler and a baby. And of course, the more children you have, the more challenging that can be. So two tips for that. If you have an infant, try to schedule errands and other activities outside the home around their nap time, if at all possible. And try to coordinate the other kids' playpen or room time with the baby's nap time. Uh, It takes a little more strategic planning to coordinate the schedules of multiple kids, but the time it takes to do that really pays off. And I do have one thing to add to that, Ginger, that just came to my mind when you were mentioning it is, you know, my husband, we have this funny rule. (laughs) It's really something he came up with where he always defers to my level of danger when it comes to our kids. So if there's something I'm hesitant about, or if we're driving and I think he's too close to the car in front of us, Mm -hmm. he is so gracious to say, you know, I'm a little more comfortable with a bit more danger, but we're going to defer to you. In that way, I think it's wise in this phase of parenting, when you have multiple children, to defer to the child whose schedule is the most important to keep. Mm -hmm. So if you have a baby that just won't nap in public, trying to force that into a situation is going to be so much harder on your family life. But if you have a baby you can strap to you and they're just great, then do that. Absolutely do Mm -hmm. that. If you have a toddler who melts down every day at two o'clock, maybe maybe don't plan so many things at that time of day. So it's not that you always have to defer to the baby, but sometimes the child who's the most rigid in their schedule, mm-hmm. maybe that for that season of life is where you need to focus your energy on scheduling. Mm, yes, good advice there, Katie. All right, so that is pretty much all of our age-appropriate ideas for bringing some structure and order to your children's days. Uh, one more thing I do want to add, though, is that chores are a great thing to incorporate into their days beginning uh, as young as possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go into age-appropriate chores here because we gave lots of ideas for that back on episode 117, which was entitled Allowances, Chores, and Money Management. So if you're looking for age-appropriate chore ideas, that is the episode you want to go to. And listeners with older children, uh, we don't mean to leave you guys hanging in this episode by only offering ideas for kids up through preschool age, but we're doing that for three reasons. One, we're out of time. We're out of time? Yeah, we're out of time. Okay. Listeners, I don't think Ginger has figured out there's no time limit with podcasts. Uh, At least not that we've (laughs) discovered. We've not met our time limit yet. Um, Also, Ginger, this is the Parenting with Ginger Hubbard podcast, so you can kind of set... (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's right. My name is on it. I should be able to do it what is. I want, right? It it's is. my party. You're this the boss. It's my party. You're the boss lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I know how busy moms are. So when at all possible, I do mm-hmm. prefer to try to keep our episodes around that 30-minute mark, give or take 10 minutes or sometimes 20. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did find, though, that that 30 minutes is kind of the sweet spot with yeah. our yeah. episodes. Yeah, it is. I'll quit teasing you so you can get on with your other two reasons. Uh, <laughs> two reasons why we aren't talking about older kids today. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. So the second reason is that it seems that most school age kids are so busy and involved in so many activities that really the last thing they need is more scheduling. Mm. If anything, they meet, they need more downtime. Yes, yes. And lastly, we have plans uh, to have one of our favorite guests, Sonia Schaefer, come back on our show to talk about how to beat summer boredom. And we know she's given us a little bit of a heads up as to what she's going to be talking about. So we know she's going to be giving lots of great ideas for structuring the older child's day. So stay tuned. I just love having Sonia on our show, and mm-hmm. I'm really excited to hear what she has to share with our listeners on that episode. Me too. It is always a treat to have Sonia on. Mm-hmm. Oh, something else I want to acknowledge is that structure and order come naturally for some and not at all for others. If maintaining a structured routine is a real struggle for you, please don't be discouraged by that. Your worth is not found in your own strengths, weaknesses, or efforts, but in Christ. The God who created the stars and calls them all by name is the same God who created you just the way you are. Structure and routine, I've I've shared this, that, that came naturally for me, but that strength also contributed to some of my weaknesses that some of you who aren't as naturally structured don't have. Mm. So give God the glory for all the talents he's given you and ask for his power and strength to help you in areas of weakness. A wise woman doesn't wallow in her weaknesses, but depends on and praises Jesus for being all that she is not. Now is the part of our show where we share a funny kid quip from one of our listeners. Today's kid quip is courtesy of Laura in Alabama. Here's what she says. Here are two kid quips from my son. When he was about three, I was voice texting and I would say the actual punctuation like, how are you today, question mark. One day I said, oh, I need to send a quick message. To which he replied, are you texting your friend, question mark? (laughs) (laughs) And again, just last week at age five, he's learning to read and he ran me my phone and said, here, mom, spam is calling. Do I know her? That's great. Ginger, I think we may be getting some things wrong in modern parenting, but I'm encouraged that we are raising up a generation of excellent punctuators. (laughs) Well, at least those of us who punctuate our text messages are. And I absolutely correctly punctuate my text messages, in case you haven't noticed. (laughs) You do. If you have a kid quip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any funny thing your child or grandchild has said, or it can even be something funny you said as a child. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash kidquips, that's Q-U-I-P-S, to submit those. Ginger, before you leave us with a final word of encouragement, how about you tell our listeners where you'll be this summer? Yes, because I always love to meet you guys in person. That's just such a treat for me. I'll be at the Texas Homeschool Convention in Houston, June 1st through 3rd. And then I'll be in Downey, California, near Los Angeles, July 13th through 15th for a parenting and homeschool conference. So if you guys would like to join me at one of these events, I would love that. So we'll have Heather put a link in the show notes to where you can find out more information. Houston in June and near oh. LA in July. You know, I didn't You're, think about you that. You better pack some shorts, Ginger. Mm-hmm. This is like when I was a professional speaker, they sent me one year to Niagara Falls in March. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. I would so love to do that. And I went to <laughs> Niagara Falls and nobody told me it was going to be frozen. Like it was miserable. Out there. I was like, only the stupid Southerner would go to Niagara Falls in March. But anyway, <laughs> 
those events do sound like so much fun. And homeschooling conferences, Ginger, as you know, are my favorite. And Avery, my daughter, was just asking when we're going to get to attend more conferences with you. And so I think we need to make that happen next year. I just love getting to meet our listeners in person. I do, too. And Katie, I always love it when your kids come with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they manage our booth better than we do. They do. They are little salespeople. They are. Three. It's hysterical. They were, yes, they were awesome. I think sales were up like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, 20% when your kids were there. It was crazy. <laughs> it also brings back sweet memories of my kids traveling all over the country with me and helping at the booth. Mm-hmm. You know, I say I homeschooled, but it was more like car schooled airplane school. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did school work all over really unusual places. (laughs) And those were the days. I miss Mm -hmm. them so much. We had such a blast traveling together. I would not trade those years for anything. All right. So let me leave you guys with a little more encouragement regarding today's topic. If this episode has opened your eyes to the beauty and benefits of building structure into your child's day, but you're afraid that that change might not be well received, I very much encourage you to not bombard them with too much structure at one time. It could exasperate them to go from little or no structure to large amounts of it. So I encourage you to just add one or two things at a time, and eventually you'll have a satisfying routine that will not only build character in your children, but will also bring peace order, and balance to your home. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us today. Do you have a parenting question? We invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her children's books co-authored with Al Roland at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Sam and the Sticky Situation is a book about whining. Chloe and the Closet of Secrets is a book about lying. And Sean and his amazing shrinking sister is a book about teasing. We're offering $10 off these books when you buy all three, as well as an additional 10% off this already great deal when you use that same code, parenting, at gingerhubbard.com. If your church might be interested in hosting Ginger and me for a women's event or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.